Welcome to Leaders Riff with Jamie McLean podcast, Impact, Influence, Lead. This is the podcast for all you leaders out there who want more meaningful conversation. And I'm your host, Jamie McLean. On this show, I invite thought leaders and rising stars to riff on hot topics. And every episode, I pose the question, how do we get to equal female representation on Fortune 500 boards? Ready? Grab your coffee or your favorite drink. I've got mine here. And let's sit down with today's thought leader, Lori Reiches, president and CEO at the Airlines Reporting Corporation, to rip about the power of mindfulness, sustaining well-being at the top, the future of work, leadership, and the global travel industry. Hello, and welcome to Leaders Riff podcast, season two, and we're kicking it off with Lori Reiches. I'm so excited to have Lori here, just a little bit about her. As president and chief executive officer of ARC, Lori leads ARC's strategy of connecting airlines, travel agencies, and corporate travel buyers with the tools and insights to drive value and enable growth of the air travel industry. Lori and the ARC executive team oversees operations for ARC settlement product, its growing data business, and omni-channel retailing solutions. Lori assumed the role of President and Chief Executive Officer of ARC in January 2021. ARC is a company that topped $97.4 billion in transactions between roughly 230 airlines and 10,000 travel agencies in 2019. So I'm so excited to have you here, Lori. Thank you. It's good to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. That's not in the bio. What did I miss? <laughs> what did you miss? Oh, well, let's see. You know, go to the basics. I grew up in Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin. Um, have two sons, grown men. Uh, a couple of granddaughters now uh, live here in the Northern Virginia area. What is it that some, one thing that most people don't know about you? Have been, um, you know, a travel lover since the, since the um, time uh, that I first went on an international trip, which was when I became an exchange student in high school and went to live in the Azores and I got the bug and, and never never looked back. I want to see every place in the world if possible. As a CEO in corporate America, Lori, how do you sustain your well-being, your mental health and vitality? By often asking myself, is this actually as important as it feels right now? Because that is one thing about this job is that there's always a crisis. There's always something people want, you know, you to pay attention to. And so honestly, that is really a key is to be asking yourself regularly, is this the best place for me to be spending my time and energy? Um, do I have the energy if I'm not feeling, you know, um, uh, like I've at my best, what do I need to do about that? Do I need to take a break? Do I need to get a walk in? Do I need to take a nap? Do I need to spend some time with friends? You know, it's always kind of checking in with yourself. Top leaders like Oprah Winfrey, Ped Mastery Warrior, Chief Technology and Strategy Officer of Cisco System, and many others, they all have significant mindfulness practices. So Lori, you've excelled in your leadership career. What do you think about leadership? and mindfulness. This job and any leadership role, there's a lot of demands on your, your time and your attention. And you can't 
do everything that you probably think that you should do. So you have to find ways to get really clear about what's most important. And I think that's where mindfulness practices come in, whether that's, you know, deploying, you know, four part box breath or a three part breath from a yoga practice to when you're feeling like anxious and overwhelmed and you just need to get your mind to quiet down a little bit so that you can make good decisions. Um, mindfulness practices like journaling, sometimes mm -hmm. that's a useful thing. And I think the word for me is practice. I'm not gonna sit here in front of you, Jamie, and say every day I journal. I know there are people that do that and my hat's off to them. Um, so I, uh, I find that I'm constantly having to remind myself that those practices are useful. So practice them, Lori. I am so glad that you mentioned that you practice and that it's a practice because it's like that for all of us. Mm -hmm. And it's really great for our listeners to hear that you have, you're, you're creating sustainability and to go the distance with these practices. And it also sounds to me like you're going easy on yourself. Yep. That's something I've had to learn because I have sort of that perfectionist tendency or that kind of all or nothing, you know, thinking like if I don't do this every day, it's not, you know, a real practice. Use it when you need it. Um, don't worry about it. If it's not happening every yeah. as much as you want to it's happened more than than if you hadn't done it at all for sure that's great easy on yourself that's a it's really good advice jamie for you uh, <laughs> to be giving to anybody that will listen to you on that yes one. yes yeah. you hear us listeners that you're going easy on yourself mm -hmm. yeah evidence shows when you have the mindfulness meditation practices like the journaling or the breathing or whatever you're going for a walk um that you don't, you, your decision-making abilities are better. So you can think more clearly, just like you said, yep. and more positively too. So with having positive outcomes. I, yes, that's a good add. Um, certainly has been my experience, everything you just described and, and those, that positive, um, better, better decisions. Once you feel like you just know when you're making like a good decision that just, if you feel it in your body. And I think the mindfulness practices typically at least for me, kind of connect you to your body. Exactly. So, you, so you've got that information coming to help you. I think that is what uh, um, top leaders are finding and why they, they swear by it. It's something that takes time. And I think that's probably what a lot of people struggle with is making the time for it. And that's another thing I've learned is it doesn't take that much time. Oh, you Laura, can yeah. a, you can get a lot of, a lot of benefit out of a few minutes of something. Um, Brilliant. So what's your, what is your number that you find makes a difference for you? How many minutes? Uh, this is going to, people may think this is crazy, but it can be as short as like five, six minutes. And because studies show that even three minutes helps. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do five minutes a day and just try for the consistency. That's what I've been doing. And I noticed a huge difference from my five minute meditation uh, practice over a week. Um, then when I don't do it, how did you, how do you decide like as a triage, is there a priority? Like you say, people first or, uh, customer first, or like what order do you put things in? There's certain things like a family, a family need, not just an, you know, a want, but a family need for attention would definitely, um, you know, take first precedence. I, I do think I tend to lean people first um, because it's all the good stuff in business happens because of the people, whether that's customers or employees. Um, but it, it maybe it comes with experience. You know, I'm pretty good at triaging. I don't have to 
spend a lot of time sort of over analyzing the the priorities are very natural to me at this point yeah what i've seen from my research uh recently is that corporate america is really realizing that people first is the way to go yeah i believe that was a trend even pre-covid but I think the experience of what we've been through through the pandemic has even put a, you know, a greater emphasis on that and a, created a, a, a greater clarity about how important that is. Absolutely, and maybe a little permission too. Yeah, and you know, things are interesting, right? People are um, breaking free of thought processes like this is what work looks like or this is you know, how we work or where we work or when we work. And you know, all of that is, um, had to be re kind of had to change overnight and we've learned new ways and I think um, found a lot of goodness in some of the new ways of thinking about it. What do you do when it's all too much? I've had a lot of those it's all too much <laughs> days in this job um, and it sort of depends on when that feeling comes. You know, if, if you start your day and you're like, this is too much, then I'm more into planful mode. All right, let me actually look at what it all is and kind of mentally triage what's the most important. I try to always ask myself, who else can do this? Mm -hmm. you know, just because it's coming to me doesn't mean I need to take it on. Um, and so if it's if that feeling of this is all too much is just at the beginning of the day, I get into planning mode and mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at that. If it's the all too much feeling that kind of hits you towards the end of the day, Honestly, what I've learned is to just disconnect, just tell myself, is there anything here that can't wait for tomorrow? And usually that everything can wait. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just tell myself, you're going to just disconnect from this. You're going to watch a movie, read a book, take a walk, call a friend. You're, you're actually just going to park it and you'll pick it up again in the morning. The next thing I really want to talk to you about, Lori, is about purpose. Purpose is key for enterprise leadership and mental health. According to Corn Ferry, uh, Institute studies show that 90% of executives say a commitment to purpose-driven leadership produces long-term financial benefits. My question for you, Lori, is what is your purpose? What's your why for our listeners? Been in the travel industry my entire career. I love it. I, I believe in the value of travel. I believe that it enriches lives. It builds economies. It connects people. I think as human beings, we're driven to be connected. So I feel have often felt a really strong purpose in my in my um, career. I have at times though also been concerned about the world overall and have thought about you know whether I would be having a bigger purpose <laughs> or a better purpose if I uh, led or worked at a nonprofit. And I did examine that you know a few years ago as I was contemplating, do I kind of finish my career in travel? Do I go for the top job at, at ARC? Or do I make a pivot, you know, for the last 10 years or so of my, you know, professional life? And I thought about it long and hard. And then I realized that, no, I mean, I am as committed to this industry as ever. But that my primary purpose is to really work hard to create a great place for people to work where they can find their potential, where they can feel you know, that they're enriching their lives through their work here and that it is a meaningful place for people to spend their time. So that is my purpose as a leader of this organization. Lori, what I got from what you just said is that you took just your basic day-to-day -day job, which was a real 
a really great, powerful job. And then you transcended it into a purpose that was bigger than that. Thank you. How do you engage employees at ARC in ARC's purpose? And again, just going back to the studies that show that when employees have their purpose aligned with the company purpose, all the wheels are turning more efficiently. Yep, yep absolutely. You know, we, I just touched on it, I think in my earlier comment, but, you know, at ARC, which most of your listeners probably never heard of ARC, and they may never hear of us again, you know, we're, we're in this amazing industry, but we're really a kind of behind the scenes player, you know, we support the airlines, we support the people that sell travel, travel agencies. So most travelers don't know about us. And that has been one of the challenges in helping our employees understand the purpose of ARC and the value of ARC. But we have focused on that, you know, for years and have done, I think, a much better job highlighting the work that we do and how it really does enable the travel industry itself to function um, and deliver all the goodness of travel. So really emphasizing that with our employees, talking about the value we deliver, using those stories and case studies and testimonials. and The future of work, Lori. In a pre-call talk, you discussed um, work expert Heather McGowan. Um, she was saying as much as 50% of the workforce is looking to change occupations in the next year to better align with their purpose and values. Lori, you presented at the GBTA convention in Orlando and GBTA listeners, in case you're wondering what that stands for, it's Global Business Travel Association. So you spoke at that convention on the future of work. So what's the future of work according to you, Lori? (laughs) That's a big topic. I know. Um, So I would not claim to know what the future work is for, you know, the world as a whole, but I can uh, share what we're seeing in in our industry and and more specifically even here at ARC. Um, You know, the future of work is not just about where we work. Obviously, people have um, learned uh, all the benefits of remote work, and there are many. However, we've not been experiencing as many of the benefits of being together in person. And I think people are getting ready to kind of rediscover some of that. So, you know, our view is that we may have a a workforce that's primarily remote some or most of the time. We are really designing our thinking about what matters most is when we do need to be together. What are the kind of activities that really it's value add to be in person? And what are the activities in our jobs? Like we had a work from home opportunity pre-COVID, mm-hmm. but it tended to be just like, I work from home on Fridays. It wasn't thoughtful about like what kind of work was happening and when do you really need to be together? So I think that's a big thing that we believe will be the future of work. Corporate travel is going to come back, but it may look different, you know, as, as people are um, not so office-based. It, you know, we may there's all kinds of people predicting things and none of us really know, you know, what the future is going to hold, but event, you know, events, meetings, conventions, uh, training opportunities, learning opportunities, you know, you may see more travel for those things and less travel for an office visit to a customer. Do you see there being more retreat-based travel where training are in locations versus going to offices? Yeah, I think that if you go to an office for training, you probably could do that kind of training online. 
Um, but if you, now this isn't my area expertise, so I'm just sort of thinking in terms mm -hmm. of what we've been talking about here at ARC, it, it, person to person training and knowledge transfer that's not easily done over um, you know, an online or virtual event, you almost want to create more of an, uh, an environment or an event for that kind of engagement and, and uh, time together. So, um, you know, budgets will always have a factor in that mm -hmm. as well. But uh, creating more, exp if, you're, if you're not going to be with your employees or be together as a team five days a week, then when you are together, you're going to kind of want to make it extra special is the way we've been thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So that could, experience. Yeah. So that could be still in the office, but, you know, more so than not, you might want to try to go offsite or do some other things to make that time extra special. Well, sounds like something I'd like to be part of. <laughs> <laughs> but unrelated to where we work is kind of how we work. Mm -hmm. And that is also becoming so much more collaborative and uh, flexible and uh, more in cross-functional, like people bringing the people in. We have learned that we do better work when we have more people involved with different perspectives or that have ownership of pieces and parts of the deliverable. So a much more collaborative kind of people talk about it as agile and that's an actual software development methodology, but there's an agility and a flexibility and a collaboration that's also part of that um, approach that I think is for us has really turned out to be very helpful. And I certainly, everything I read and in, in, in my conversations with other leaders is the way people are really thinking about doing work um, together in the future. Um, and then the other thing just about the future of work is the ongoing learning. Like it's never been more important to just be constantly learning new skills, getting new perspectives, mm -hmm. getting um, information from others that will help you think about your own world a bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, Heather, the, the author that you, you noted, one of the things that really struck me in her book was that the technical skills um, that, you know, the, the people in your organization who are focused on technology, which most of us are now, right? Most companies yeah. are technology mm -hmm. companies now. It, it's gone from being something that's sort of in the back room to like how we actually, you know, engage with our customers and deliver our products and services. Technical skills have a shelf life now of, you know, three to five years. Um, you know, when mm -hmm. I got into business, you've got your first exposure, you maybe got your degree, you, you know, you kind of mastered things and you could, those, those fundamentals could last you for your career. Mm -hmm. No, that's not the case anymore. So kind of this ongoing learning, collaborative approach to doing work together and then finding this new, and I don't know what it's going to exactly look like, but kind of hybrid approach to where we work, all of that, I think is what's ahead of us. And honestly, I'm kind of jealous that I'm at the end of my career or, or nearing the end, because I would have loved to work like that 30 years ago. That would have been very energizing and exciting to me. Um, so I think all the younger people listening to this, you have, I, I think, an amazing opportunity in front of you. It really can be an exciting way of uh, managing your career. Absolutely. The other thing that just popped into my mind as I've been thinking about what how things used to be versus how things are changing but it used to be if you wanted to grow in your career you had to get into management right and mm -hmm. you know if you were really good at something well the next natural progression is well you became the manager over that you know function mm -hmm. um and one of the things that 
reading a lot about and started to hear more about and, and actually putting it into practice here at, at, at our company is this idea that you don't have you can grow in your career and become you know at even a higher level of um, renumination for your skills you know your mastery of an, of an area without having to become a leader absolutely you, know, you just see this sort of professional career band that doesn't have to have leadership in it to see you continue to grow in your career and your impact to the organization and so we really redesigned our career bands to have that professional track that doesn't involve leadership and a leadership track for people who are really drawn to that and want to become great leaders. And that's a, that's a shift from a few years ago. What's ARC's biggest win since January, 2020? The vision in the midst of the pandemic was really became, had to shift not to from law, any emphasis on long-term to the near term. Mm -hmm. You know, we had to make a pretty sizable reduction in the workforce. We had to, um, chase government funding, <laughs> help us just maintain operations and try to maintain um, our employees that were with us. Uh, so it was a very challenging time. We got a lot of support from our airline owners in the middle of it. And we were trying to do whatever we could to help our travel agency partners navigate yeah. um, some really tough times. So, um, so the good news is that travel is back. We're in a much better place. You know, we have a, a good financial plan for this year that is where we are independent of any kind of government help or subsidies from our airline owners to, to kind of help us. Good. So we're back on our feet. Uh, 2021, the early part of 2021 was um, pretty wobbly by the second half of 2021, even with um, some of the you know, Delta variant impacts on the industry, which took us back a little bit. Uh, we were making steady progress. So we're now back looking longer term, uh, which is very exciting because we're adding staff back. We're investing in our data business. Um, we've got a whole bunch of really interesting partners out there. And, um, you know, we're excited about being able to be in a place of more normalcy mm -hmm. um, and get our get our longer term strategic plans funded and, and back on the radar. It's coming together. Yeah, we are forecasting kind of full return to 2019 levels for both international and domestic by 2024. What do you see in the future for ARC and for the travel industry? I'm like totally bullish on travel. I have no doubt that, you know, as mask requirements come down and the world opens up a little bit more, uh, the travel will not only be back, it'll be bigger than ever. Uh, it is it is, I think we, there's plenty of, <laughs> there's plenty of things we could point to that the world is a better place if people know each other and are, you know, have opportunities to connect and appreciate um, each other's culture. And I do think that sustainability from an environmental perspective is on the radar and mm. there's a lot of work underway for, you know, car, you know, um, sustainable air fuel that will you know, reduce the carbon footprint of, of air travel. The industry is, is very um, focused on that and has made, you know, pledges to get to carbon net neutral um, by 2050, which is okay. on one hand sounds like it's a long way away, but it's from a, I mean, air travel is a highly technical, um, advanced engineering kind of industry. I mean, you're flying metal tubes, you know, 
30,000 feet in the air, 500 miles an hour. No joke. Yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's a, a engineering marvel. Um, and so it's going to take time to um, adapt the engines and the fuel and everything to a more sustainable place, but they're committed. And 2050, in my view, is just right around the corner. Of Excellent. Travel. Lori, who are some women that have been significant in your life? Uh, of course, my mom comes to my mind. Yeah, moms. <laughs> or, yeah, moms, you know, there's Absolutely. Some, some good things and some not so good things, but all, <laughs> but all in, you know, mm -hmm. I'm certainly my mother. And I, I think if I w was to elaborate, um, you know, my mother is of the generation where she's first um, in her family to go to college, but it was a very limited view of why you went to college as a woman right like she wanted to be an artist my mother was an artist hmm. but she and she wanted to study art but you know it was no you need to be a nurse or a doctor or sorry not a doctor a nurse or a, a teacher oh. and yeah so you know that was sort of like the options that were available to her um and i watched her in life you know raise a family she my mom really didn't work uh, once she got married um, outside of the home. Mm -hmm. And, but she discovered or rediscovered her passion late in life um, to be an artist and went in all in 150% to make up for lost years. And so just that always really inspired me about her. Like you don't have to just be limited by the choices that you made 20 years ago, which might be some coming back to this, like moving, you know, to different fields of interest, whether it's your, you know, hobbies or career, um, just that don't feel limited about what you can do as you get older. Um, so she's an inspiration. Uh, I have a mentor, uh, an executive coach who is mm -hmm. just a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. She, uh, I've worked with her now for maybe five, six years. Uh, so smart, such a, just cuts through all the crapola of whatever's happening. Oh, that's to get great. To the essence of like, what the issue is and yeah. here's some ideas about what you can do about it. just a just a her, her name is Marianne Basnagel and I, she's just amazing Marianne Basnagel Marianne I'm Basnagel. glad you gave her show no, you might want to save her for yourself I'm not yeah. sure well I I am very selfish about her but <laughs> I think I don't want her to ever not be available to take my call but uh, she she's an, a coach that works with a lot of people um she's fantastic what question should have I asked you that I did not oh goodness well you you know you didn't which I kind of like this in a, in a way, but you didn't really ask me about um, being a woman in leadership or, you know, diversity or how to get more diversity into the, the senior ranks of, of uh, a company. And so on one hand, I really love that. You didn't ask me that because it, you know, kind of a sign that it's not, you know, as top of mind. Um, but at the same time, I probably should say something about it because we, yeah, yes. we still have a ways to go. Um, there are so many women who get to um, sort of the second in command kind of role. You mm -hmm. call that different things in different companies, but don't get the top spot. And I think that is um, the, the really the next big piece of work for us as a society mm -hmm. to broaden our thinking about what does the top executive role look like? Mm -hmm. and who and the person that's in that role I think we still have a lot of unconscious bias about that what what a top executive looks like or sounds like or um, you know kind of physical presence and um, my encouragement to everybody is to do everything that you can in your power wherever you are and wherever you sit 
to challenge those, any of those kind of unconscious thoughts that you might have yourself to start with. Um, it's so important. It, we still have work to do. And it, to me, it requires a lot of attention. Thank you for adding that. I, um, it is very top of mind for me. There is a lot of energy that it takes being in number two and not moving from number two. Mm-hmm. There's like this mental state that happens besides the physical work that it takes, all the extra work that, you know, I don't know if it's like working twice as hard or three times as hard as a woman or a minority, um, whatever it is, it's more. And so the sustainability wellness piece is why I'm focusing on that because I feel like it's my contribution that I can make to have more women go the distance, more minorities go the distance. I, I love the direction you're taking that. That's it's, uh, it's a connection that you've just made between the, these two things that uh, I hadn't made myself. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> here I was thinking it was too obvious. No, no, not at all. I mean, uh, once you said it, I'm like, I was sort of like, well, wow, that makes sense. <laughs> some rapid fire questions. Okay. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? stretch my feet and my legs like I literally I I had a yoga instructor once who said before you even get out of bed like just you know stretch your legs your feet you know you know how you kind of roll your ankles Mm. like just like wake up your body while you're still in your bed and that is like an amazing difference as opposed to just swinging your feet across you know the covers and and stepping up you know once you've stretched for literally like a minute you feel already so much better and awake and like limber that's the last thing you do before you go to bed uh plug in my phone what's the best place you've traveled oh my gosh i loved nepal it's a beautiful place with a beautiful people and culture fascinating um loved nepal Uh, i love africa you know tanzania and kenya i could just go on and on like most, I mean, there's pretty much no place I, well, I would not go to the Ukraine right now, but there's pretty much no place in the world I wouldn't want to go just at least see and experience. So much of the world to see. Oh, yes. Some advice for your 18 year old self. I didn't know what I wanted to do mm-hmm. with my life. And if I could talk to that person now, I would say, that's okay. Like, just enjoy this moment. Describe your perfect day. Well, a perfect day would definitely be with getting a lot of time outside, not just a walk around the neighborhood, mm-hmm. but like maybe a hike in the woods. I love the smell of like the leaves and the oh, woods. I smell it now. The yeah. dappled light of the trees. Definitely there'd be friends involved. The perfect day would have to have that perfect temperature, like 70 degrees, where you just want to be outside. Um, and what else would be in a perfect day? I have a one-year-old and a five-year-old granddaughter and they're, they're, they're amazing. So it would include them. Um, and then probably a perfect day for me would be again, dinner with friends. And mm-hmm. I love to play cards or board games and, you know, the more competitive, the better. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but maybe there's a, a glass of wine involved at this okay. point, you know, so that would be my perfect day. That sounds friends, like friends, family outside, good meal, some fun entertainment, your leadership style in one word, collaborative. What's the biggest lesson you've learned in your leadership? Uh, that I don't have all the answers. What I've learned is when you get to a, a more senior role, you really don't have mastery in anything. <laughs> your job is to create the environment 
where the people that do have the most knowledge can come together and collaborate on, and determine like the best solutions for the company. What three women in history do you admire? Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, pops to mind for sure. Who I really admire is Jane Goodall, Eleanor Roosevelt. What a, uh-huh. there's, a, there's a courageous woman who mm-hmm. made such an impact. And, mm-hmm. you know, and just what I also, what you kind of think some of these women had to do is just get to a place where they didn't care what people thought. They just, just went for it. They just went for it. What is needed to achieve equal female representation on Fortune 500 boards in the next 15 years? The decision to do it. Just you to know, do it. just to do it. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. That's like, you know, very old cliche. Um, there's all, there. Are, it's not about that there aren't women who are talented and knowledgeable enough to serve in a governance role on a, as a director on a board. Um, they are, they're out there. There's, there. It's not like they have to be developed for the next 10, 15 years. It's literally boards saying, we are gonna do this. We're gonna find the women that have the skills and, the knowledge to have this important role on our board. It's, 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 I mean, in an individual company, you can see places and ours is here as well, where we need to invest a number of years in, in women. You know, we've got women who we view as high potential, but they need, you know, experience and development and you invest that in years. But when it comes to just overall, you know, to get to 50% women directors on the, Fortune 500 boards, they're out there. They're already out there and ready, mm-hmm. you know, because you're not trying to do that all within one organization, right? You mm-hmm. can draw from, they can draw from women across the spectrum. So it's about deciding that it's important enough and doing it. Oh, thank you for that insight. Lori, I could talk to you for hours. I mean, you're such a wealth of knowledge, great personality on top of the power, personal power you have. So I just want to thank you for your contribution and for coming here today and chatting with me. Jamie, it was a real pleasure. I could talk to you forever too. So I hope that we get a chance to do it again real soon. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to have you back. All right, thank you. Thank you for joining our Rift today. We appreciate it. And if you feel you've gotten value out of today's episode, consider leaving a five-star review, subscribe and share this episode to help spread ideas on sustainable well-being on the road to the top. Head to the show notes for help developing your mindfulness practice, links to studies and books mentioned in this episode, and to stay connected with me and the Ambitious community. You can also email me at jamie at ambitiousimage.com. Until next time, listeners, this is Leaders Riff with Jamie McLean, holding space for you to create joy in the journey and show up fully to impact, influence, lead. Mm-hmm.